makes a save. And to see it fly off target for the U.S. to stay alive. And Karaskia scores, and Panama, for the first time in a decade, will play in the Gold Cup Final. ESPN Plus, you're looking at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada, where just moments ago, Mexico finished off a big win over Jamaica in the Gold Cup semifinals. That, in the immediate aftermath of the United States and Panama going to a penalty shootout, which the Panamanians were triumphant in, which gives us the Gold Cup final Sunday, Panama against Mexico. Hercules Gomez is in Las Vegas, and he is wearing what appears to be a beautiful Las Vegas Lights kit. Mwah. Show the folks at home. Oh, the personalized Las Vegas Lights kit for the Sin City's favorite Thank you son. to my friends, the Las Vegas Lights, Isidro, uh, who the head coach who came down and brought me uh, the jersey himself. Very, very cool gift. I appreciate it. It feels good to be home. It does. It must feel good to be home. You're making more and more trips to Las Vegas of late. It is certainly becoming one of the many soccer capitals of the United States. We got lots to get to as you have installed yourself on that famous balcony there just across from Allegiant Stadium. We will continue in this show our build-up to the Women's World Cup, which is now just nine days, is that right, from kickoff? Actually, eight days now that we're past midnight on the East Coast. Today's interview will be a one-on-one -on -one with the captain and the number 10, Lindsey Horan. And speaking of interviews, we've got the very beginnings of Christian Pulisic's exclusive interview, or maybe I should say semi-exclusive interview. I think he spoke to the club as well uh, with Graham Hunter of ESPN, our colleague. So we'll hear from Christian Pulisic just after he joined AC Milan, all the uh, physical and that happening earlier today. But let's start in San Diego, shall we, with the uh, first of two semifinals in the 2023 Gold Cup, the United States against Panama. And Herc, this one got off to an absolutely crazy start. Just one minute in, the U.S. applying pressure. It leads to a turnover from Panama, and Cade Cal nearly makes it one nothing. Yeah, Cade Cal finds this one. He does a good job connecting here. And just off the post goes wide. U.S. a bright start there, but really from that moment on, a lot of chances for Panama. Here's one in the 28. The Panamanians score, but the offside flag up. Yeah, Vacernas uh, will be just offside here, but you can't give a player like Carrasquilla this time and space to lift his head up and find guys in the box. Panama getting in behind a lot in that first half. We go to the second half, still scoreless. U.S. on the attack. This is going to fall to Jesus Ferreira, and he misses. Yeah, it's a good play there on the right-hand side. Yedlin finds some space. It's a good cutback right here. Jesus Ferreira does very well. Putting that, trying to put that on frame. It just scuffs off that right boot and barely wide. Still scoreless in stoppage time. Ismael Diaz, the hat-trick hero with a late goal. But wait, offside. Oh, I don't know about this one, Seb. I mean, look, he's offside here, but there's a play that we need to look at again. Carrasquilla, pinpoint pass, puts it on a platter, finishes it. But there was a call for a handball that we couldn't get a second look at. 
Yeah, eventually, no goal given, no penalty given. So we go to extra time, and in the ninth minute of extra time, Ivan Anderson all alone. Yeah, it's it's Miles Robinson and it's DeAndre Yedlin keeping the Panamanian attacker at bay. And then, well, Turner comes out, tries to no avail. It's a Panamanian goal. U.S. would respond. 105th minute. Jordan Morris. Jesus Ferreira. 1-1. One, one. Oh, Twitter's melting down. Jordan Morris header to Jesus Ferreira with the sweetest of finishes. A very good volley right there. Back of the net. And it's 1-1 one, one tight. Go to the penalty shootout. Jesus Ferreira, the first shooter in Hurt. He has his shot saved. Yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little uh, dumbfounded by that. Why he shot first? He missed. Well, he was already cramping towards the end of that game. Cristian Martinez misses for Panama third. So we go to sudden death. And after Cristian Roldan Smith and Alberto Carrasquilla, the Houston Dynamo man with the game-winning penalty as Panama advances to the finals via the penalty shootout over the United States. It'll be Panama on Sunday at SoFi for the top spot in the CONCACAF Gold Cup. Let's get some more post-game reaction from San Diego. We'll start with the manager, BJ Callahan. Yeah, I mean, we had, we, we had an objective to come here and win a second trophy, so you know, we're disappointed that we weren't able to achieve that. Um, but we also had other objectives, which was to, again, get as many players uh, experience in this format of where you play group stage, go to knockout stages, have to play high intensity games against difficult opponents with travel and heat and, you know, um, and just sort of the circumstances that come with knockout rounds. And, you know, I, I thought the guys responded really well. Uh, we, we, we had moments of adversity. You saw the group respond to it. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of learning lessons that we're all going to take away uh, as we now, you know, continue our preparation to, to the path of 2026. Um, you know, for the, for the first half, uh, the first half is my fault. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't set the team up the way they should have been set up. And, uh, you know, we were able to make the adjustments at halftime, and I was so proud of the group, the way they came out in the second half and the way they responded. So, you know, I, I don't have anything but, but uh, positive things to say how the group handled this match. All right, Herc, I don't know. Is it, do I need an umbrella? Is it raining out there? Is it raining out there in Vegas? I saw you on Twitter. I saw you on are Twitter we, telling are we people going, not Are we not going fanboy already? Are we going uh, fanboy already? Out. Your internet's been gone for two years out. and you're going fanboy already. Well, I mean, how many of these guys are top three in their position? Like, what did you expect coming into this tournament? That you're going to roll over teams because you're the U.S. men's national team? Because you've got players in Europe? That's not how it works here. Panama's a good side. Panama's probably the best work side in this tournament. I mean, when you look at the coaches who are coaching in this tournament, Panama's got a coach who's been with them in the World Cup process. And he's taken that team from a failure and brought them to where they are today. So I think it's pretty disingenuous. It's pretty arrogant to think you're just going to go steamroll teams because you're the U.S. men's national team. These players in their positional battles, very few of them are, are top three in their positional battle. Um, so I thought that's a, it's a little bit fanboyish on your part to come out like that, and I'm a little disappointed. 
Oh, Hercules Gomez from his mountaintop is disappointed yeah. in the fans, the toxic fans of the U.S. men's national you, team. There he is. Hercules you, Gomez, not, not a fan I'm of the people. disappointed in you. Not a fan You're of the people. You're an ESPN professional. You're not a fanboy. What are allegedly, you doing? Allegedly, allegedly. They make me work with allegedly. you from time to time. <laughs> Hey, uh, let's get into the performances tonight. I mean, I don't know if there's anybody okay. from the U.S. side that you wanna that you really want to highlight. For me, if I'm going to point out somebody that I was especially disappointed in, Herc, is a guy that we've talked about a lot on this show. The U.S., they didn't have a lot of chances in the first half, but they did have some clear chances in the second half. Brandon Vasquez especially, beyond the chances to finish, he's a big dude, man. I expected some serious hold-up play from him when I saw him in the starting lineup. On top of that, we know he's been itching to get a start, Herc. And for me, Brandon Vasquez, I know he's not an A-list player, but against this Panama team, I thought he would have way more success. We've been waiting for him to get a start. He had this massive opportunity, Herc, and he didn't really take advantage of it, did he? Yeah, Seb, and the worst part is if he missed chances, uh, you could say it wasn't his night. Um, but when you're not getting those chances, you can still do other things, and he wasn't very good in the holdup. He looked a little... Not just him. The team looked tired. They looked a step off. They looked like they weren't reacting. Uh, and just in terms of Brandon, this is his hometown. So you would have expected more from him emotionally. Maybe a little pep in that step. It didn't happen. He looked like he was laboring out there. This is a player that we all have high excuse me, hopes for. Um, they're asking for about $8, $10 million for him from Gladbach. That's been reported asked for him. You would have expected, I don't know, a little something. It was under the sun. Uh, tough conditions. The field looked a little beat up towards the center of it. But even that, he looked a step off in comparison to the Panamanian counterpart, which Panama looked very good, and we'll get to that in a second. But I agree with you. He could have done more. Now, at some point, we're going to get to B.J. Callahan and, and the lineup and what he didn't do. We can talk mm -hmm. about these players, but if you really think about it, Seb, like I'm trying to rack my brain on because he said it was his fault. He didn't set this team up to mm -hmm. win, or he set this team up to fail. Uh, think about the movements we've all been asking for. People wanted more Cade Cow, less Andejas. That ended up happening. People wanted Jesus Feira in a different position, and Brandon Vasquez at the nine. That ended up happening. I mean, everybody else that you could possibly think mm -hmm. of, people would have been okay with that midfield. They would have been okay with that right back, okay with that left back. Maybe Aaron Long wasn't the indicated player to come in for a Jalen Neal who's hurt. You could have probably thrown in there a Matt Miazga, who struggled as well, by the way. So when you think about this, like, I think he got it right. I think he got the lineup right. I think he got the in-game adjustments right. I think it's the American player today who let him down. It's the American mm. player today who proved they weren't good enough to beat this Panamanian side. It's the B slash C player that a lot have overrated, that a lot have thought arrogantly we're going to steamroll CONCACAF competition. And when we saw it happen against a very weak Canadian side, you brushed it off because you advanced. It was papering over the cracks. And here we are. And nobody should be surprised that Panama worked this U.S. men's national team the way they did. The first half was 66% possession for the Panamanian side. Literally, literally had Buzio and had Sands, or excuse me, uh, Mikhailovic out wide with their fullbacks, with their wingbacks, trying to press them. And then Godoy and then Carrasquilla in the middle of the park doing as they saw fit, doing what they needed to do with the ball, bossing that midfield, and just really made this team run all over the place. I think U.S. fans might have expected the B team to win the Gold Cup, because, I don't know, they did it last time. I don't think this is as good of a B team as the B team that was here uh, in 2021. It proves that there is at least some limit 
to the U.S. depth, because we saw what the gap between yeah. U.S. A's and everybody else in the region's A's were. At least if you're the rest of the region, you say, well, the U.S. B's are, are still not capable of showing up and, and beating our A's. I think pretty much what you see in this tournament is that the U.S., when they went up against good competition with these B's, really couldn't win a game, right? I mean, they, they didn't beat Canada. Yeah. They didn't no, beat No, they Jamaica, couldn't make it competitive. And they, and they couldn't beat you gotta Panama, remember, Seb, you know? You got to remember, Seb, they didn't beat Canada. It's going to go down as a tie. They advanced versus exactly. Canada. That's, that's exactly. a reality here. Uh, you look at this team, and you shouldn't be surprised. And also, we spoke about this many times. Like, how upset can you really be if mm -hmm. Greg Berhalter himself doesn't even bother to show up? Big ticket items, I will remind you. Bigger things than actually coaching the team. Big ticket items. Yeah. Uh, to the point about B.J. Callahan made, you know, when I saw the starting lineup and I saw Brandon Vasquez and Jesus Ferreira in it, I started thinking 4-2-3-1, right? Because when actually U.S. soccer puts so out the I. lineup, they don't put it in the tactical. You think Jesus Ferreira is going to play as a 10, which is what we all kind of assume is his best role. If you're Jesus Ferreira now, you get moved out to the right wing. So the 10 is your best position. They don't really going to let you play that in the national team. The 9 is your second best position. You've at least proven you can be somewhat productive there. And now you're not getting a roll out there. Now you've got to go to the right wing. So I don't think BJ Callahan really had a choice. When we find out that Zendejas is hurt with a hamstring uh, and that Jordan Morris, you know, is, is limited as well. We know that he's been having some issues. There's not a lot of choices there. I think he has to make the change with Brandon Vasquez. So Herc, then what, what happened between the first half and the second half? Because at least the U.S. looked competitive in the second half against Panama's A's. In that first half, it was it was it was varsity versus JV and it was by far I think the worst that the US has looked in this tournament. Oh, I agree with you. By by far the worst they've looked in this tournament. They weren't touching the ball against Panama. Panama was outclassing him, bossing him in the midfield in that first half. Second half, the adjustments, you saw a rolled on, a Yedlin come on. You saw this the shift uh, all of a sudden of Jesus Ferreira taking on a more central role, operating behind. You saw a little bit more fight, grit, a little bit more pep in their step. And, and, and it's very simple and easy to say the intensity, the intensity, because it's, oftentimes it's not about intensity at this level, it's about tactical awareness, it's about technical ability. But when it came to the U.S. Men's National the bar they set for themselves physically was so low that just a little bit in uptake, uh, or, or uptick in intensity and in drive saw an immediate improvement. DeAndre Yedlin and Christian Roldan were good down the right-hand side. Jordan Morris came on and he was very physical, he was very vertical. Uh, you saw Jesus Ferreira operating, finding himself good pockets, getting on the end of things where he wasn't in the first half. It looked like a different team. John Tolkien came on, still very safe for my liking. Uh, Dejuan, jo Dejuan Jones would at least whip in a ball. He didn't do that, but Yedlin coming on absolutely made a difference. It's just, they look like they died uh, physically. They look like they didn't have the gas in their yeah. tank um, for majority of this game, and it really, really hurt them. Yeah, you made a point about that on the last show, just the difference in what the U.S. had to do in their quarterfinal uh, versus what Panama had to do in their quarterfinal. Obviously, the 4 nothing pretty easy win there yeah. against Qatar, plus the extra uh, day's rest. And then on top of that, the 4.30 local start time, I don't think helped anybody, right? That looked yeah. like it was a, a pretty hot situation out there. Speaking of hot situations, let's get uh, a hot mic here on Brandon Vasquez. Here's some more post-game reaction from the United States. Penalty kick defeat against Panama. Yeah, you know, frustrated. Um, we we knew this was going to be a tough match, and I think in the final third we were missing the final couple passes to to have better opportunities. So um, definitely frustrating for sure. 
I was ready for it, you know. Um, I prepare for every game the same, so blurring out the outside noise is just focusing on preparing and having my body ready uh, the best possible way. And, you know, it was a quick turnaround, so, um, yeah, I was just completely focused. Yeah, you know, um, I'll say I, I think I had, like, one clear chance of goal. Um, and, yeah, you know, it was just a little bit frustrating to not be able to put that in the back of the net. Um, but, you know, soccer's that way, you know. Not everything's going to be perfect, and, and uh, we just got to bounce back from this. So, yeah. Brandon Vasquez scoring off the bench quite a bit in the Gold Cup. Got his start here against Canada, Canada, Panama, excuse me. Couldn't find the uh, the back of the net or the score sheet. There you get a look at his heat map action from the semifinal against Panama in San Diego. Herc, let's go uh, big picture on what we saw from the U.S. Based on your reaction to my intro off the top of the show, I don't think you're going to label going out in the semifinals a fracaso. So what are you going to call this tournament for the United States men's national team? I mean, expected. Did you expect them to win this tournament? Do you expect them to really roll through teams? If you go back to Gold Cup, they didn't do that either. I mean, they were outplayed in a lot. At the final they won, they were outplayed by the Mexican national team here in Las Vegas. This is CONCACAF allowing the U.S. men's national team and Canada to say mm -hmm. this tournament is not important. And you saying we agree it's not important because you're not bringing your A team. You're allowing those players, and I think rightfully so, to go prepare for the European seasons. If they had a choice, I think everybody would say if you have these players in this situation, go. You've already proven you could compete in a tournament like this with a lesser squad do it again because CONCACAF is telling us that this tournament doesn't mean as much as the Nations League. So I was under no illusions um, that the U.S. would compete to win in this tournament. I was under no illusions that we'd see a Mexico or U.S. lift the tournament uh, trophy. I'm, I'm, it's changed a little bit right now, but this U.S. men's national team was not in a position to compete, and we saw those faults last round versus Canada. Herc, I'm wondering what the point of the tournament was, right? If, if, if you say it's not to win, it's to get guys experience, then I think we should look at that, right? And the numbers suggest that there's quite a bit of growth there. I think 22 players got to start in this tournament. A lot of those guys are not going to get real competitive minutes. They got them against, in some cases, decent competition. You got Jamaica's A's, you got Panama's A's, you got Canada's B's. But I think beyond that, when you look at kind of the opportunities I think a lot of guys beyond Brandon Vasquez missed opportunities. Matt Turner is a guy who you say, okay, he used this Gold Cup to further enhance his position with the national team. He's further locked himself in as the number one. Is there anybody else for you, Herc, who proved something to you in this tournament that you didn't know about them before? We might say Jesus Pereira moved his stock up, but did he really prove anything in this tournament that you didn't know about him before? You knew he could dominate at this level. The one guy, the one guy who I really think helped his cases for 2026 is James Sands. And that's a lot about the position. I think you need a like-for-like -like replacement for Tyler Adams. Every time Tyler Adams gets hurt, you can't have to switch your formation to go to a double pivot. You need a like-for-like. -like. Before, before James Sands stepped up, it was what, Johnny Cardozo? I mean, I thought James Sands was good tonight. I thought he was good throughout the tournament. Tonight, even with some fatigue factored in, but I think there's maybe one guy who really helped himself for 2026 outside of Matt Turner, who I think we already assume is going to be the starter then. I agree. I was going through the positional battles later this week, or earlier this week, excuse me. And when I came to that number six position, defensive midfielder, I caught myself thinking, Johnny Cardozo, number two? 
yes, no, Kellen Acosta, yes, no, nah, it's not there. And I'm like, who else? It's James Sands. He's in that positional battle right now in the top three. But every other position, whether it's center back, whether it's left back, whether it's right back, whether it's you know center forward and the wing, whatever you want, there are positional battles that I don't think anybody here helped their stock in. Nobody moved into a top three positional battle outside of James Sands. That's a reality. Now, you spoke about the missed opportunities. Missed opportunity for U.S. soccer. Given the circumstances that CONCACAF says, it's okay, send your B team, send a lesser team. Given those circumstances, I understand allowing Christian Pulisic, Father and Balligan, Ricardo Pepe, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, Yunus Musa, Anthony Robinson, Serginho Dest, your center backs. I understand that. I understand allowing them to go fix their club situations and rest for the upcoming European season. What I don't understand is why this group? Why not make this tournament mean something? Why not bring in a group that will actually compete in the Olympics, a U23 team, a team that you think could be a combination of the U20s we just saw in Argentina and a U23 team that you think will actually be in the Olympics in Paris. Why not do that? Why not allow them to gel, allow them to compete with each other instead of trying out this, a glorified MLS squad? You know who would be in that team is Cade Cal, who was in this team, and he's probably another player who I think might have upped his stock in this tournament. You agree? Uh, yes or no. I think Cade Cal has a few things going for him. Cade Cal is very direct, very vertical. He's very physical, speed. Uh, I still think he needs to polish himself um, in the final third. But he's young. He's going to get there. And I, I firmly believe it's when it doesn't go well that you learn more from those events. I think he's going to be a better player for it. But that said, like if we're going to put him against the A guys and, and see how much mm. is stock against those guys, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's a case where anybody feels overly confident about him cracking that right now. The United States losing in penalties in San Diego to Panama in the Gold Cup semifinals, meaning the U.S. will miss out on the Gold Cup final for the first time since 2015 and just the second time since way back in 2003, the beginnings of Hercules Gomez's career. How about that? It was that long right. ago. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Christian Pulisic. He is in Milan. Physical complete. 
According to Fabrizio Romano, the contract is going to be a four-year deal with Milan, which will keep him at the club through 2027, the next World Cup at least. This brings an end to his time at Chelsea, four seasons total in the Premier League. And no surprise, Pulisic's time in London, one of many topics covered in his interview with ESPN's Graham Hunter. Here's a brief preview. Could you have been given more opportunities, a better, regular, fair chance to prove yourself on the pitch for your previous club? Of course, I'd like to think so. Of course, um, you know, there are definitely times where I wish I could have gotten that, you know, more of an opportunity and been that guy, but uh, yeah, for whatever reason, that's not the case. And uh, like I said, I'm just, I'm just so excited for this new challenge and uh, I'm, uh, I'm definitely ready and up for it. All right, Herc, time to put a bow on Christian Pulisic's time at Chelsea. How do we define the four seasons set spent in the Premier League in London? You're gonna give him a grade? Let's give him a grade here. Uh, a B minus. I'll give him a B minus because I think when he was healthy and given a chance, he performed very, very well. He proved to be a very capable player. Listen, Chelsea doesn't go on that run, win the Champions League, if not for Christian Pulisic and what he did versus Porto, what he did versus Real Madrid. He was an important player in that run. But it can't be just everybody else's fault and not Christian Pulisic at some point when we look at the amount of coaches who at some point turned the other way, whether it was Frank Yallop whether it was Thomas Tuchel, who actually gave him his first team debut at Dortmund, whether it's Graham Potter or Frank Lampard again, at some point in his career, they kept looking the other way. So at some point we have to turn around and ask Christian why that was, whether it was his uh, physical ability to stay on the field, whether it was his play, whatever the case may be, it was incomplete. But when he played, he showed me enough for me to look at the general consensus of what an American player has been in Europe and think that he had a successful go. Uh, but it mainly hinges on that Champions League, really. Yeah, made history. Won a Champions League that significant, as you said, played a role, won a FIFA Club World Cup. You know, if Pulisic looks back on his time, I think he's probably got, and I wonder if you agree here, more of a right to be disappointed in Chelsea than they have a right to be disappointed in him. I think they got quite a bit out of Christian Pulisic. You, see some of the money that Chelsea has spent on players and gotten next to nothing in return. They got something out of Christian Pulisic. He's the one that I think can feel let down by the club. And you mentioned, Herc, all the managers that he had. Remember the manager that he didn't have, because remember he signed from Dortmund early in 2019 while Sorry. Maurizio Sarri oh, yeah, was yeah. still the manager. And remember, Sarri was like, I don't even know this guy. I, I don't want this guy. And I think that always conditioned Christian Pulisic at Chelsea. He was always the club's guy and never the manager's guy. And I wonder if he just was ever able to overcome that, how different his career at Chelsea would have been. Because to your point, man, we saw some really high watermarks of Christian Pulisic. And it's hard to say with all the things that he won, with all that was accomplished, that it was a failure. But it does feel like something there wasn't achieved. He didn't ever lock down that starting spot. And if you were ever on USMNT Twitter on a Saturday or a Sunday morning, you know, that's all that American fans, along with Christian Pulisic, surely her, wanted to see for his time in Chelsea. Lock down a starting spot and keep it. That would have been the ultimate goal. You didn't give him a grade. What was it? Would you give him a B minus? Gosh, that seems pretty harsh for a guy that guy that won a Champions League, scored against Real Madrid in a Champions League semifinal. A? You know... I gotta blame oh, Chelsea. Look, this a isn't lot so here. easy, I, is it? 
I got I got to blame you know Chelsea what, Seth? a lot I, here. I, I'm I'm with you because. Because Chelsea isn't free of blame here, and I'm sure Christian Pulisic isn't the only player to, say, to to feel that way. I mean, you can go back down the list of Mohamed Salah, of Kevin De Bruyne, of Lukaku, of Higuain, uh, of El Nino, Torres. I mean, you, there's a long laundry list of, of players who can pick a bone with Chelsea, and more today, so they're not free of blame here. Yeah. But you need to give this guy a yeah. grade, because you seem to yeah, be you, passing the buck you, here. You cannot give him an A. I think I can't give him an A. Maybe I, maybe I can give him a B plus, but there's a few things. One, the transfer fee, right? He went for over 70 million. He gets sold, of course, just one year left in the contract for for 24. But to give somebody an A, they have to have, I guess, mastered the subject. And mastering the subject would be proving that you can dominate in that league. And I think at a club like Chelsea, really, if not dominate, lock yourself into a, a starting job. And if you didn't do that, you didn't master the subject. So I can't give you an A. I give him a B plus. I'm a little more lenient than Hercules Gomez. I thought you would have been waving your Captain America flag here. Instead, you gave him a, a harsh B minus, Herc. A harsh B minus. Wrong guy. It's not a harsh B minus. No, because uh, listen, you can say what you want about Chelsea, but four different coaches overlooked them, and we have to ask ourselves why. Yes. Well, three technically. Well, three. Lampard twice. Right. Yeah. Three. All right, um, plenty more from Christian Pulisic on tomorrow's edition of ESPN FC. That's where you're going to see the full interview with Graham Hunter. It'll also be available on the website ESPN.com. So make sure to check out ESPN FC right here on ESPN Plus tomorrow for the full sit-down with Christian Pulisic. Llega entonces buscando Mexico, Jamaica, in Las Vegas. Second minute, Mexico on the attack. And Jesus Gallardo is going to get, I mean, all sorts of time. Walks it into the box. Henry Martin makes it 1 nothing Mexico. Yeah, comedy of errors in the box. Even worse, outside the box. This play starts with two Jamaican players crashing into each other, then starts a counterattack. Gallardo picking out Henry Martin. Henry Martin, second touch, left foot, beats Andre Blake. I've been screaming for Santiago Jimenez. What do I know? Eighth minute, Luis Romo, the shot. Andre Blake there to make the save. Recurring theme, nobody in the Jamaican midfield to deal with the Mexican midfield, all types of time and space. 24th minute, Damari Gray, the shot, Memo Ochoa there to smother it. Yeah, that's about as good as it got for Damari Gray. As good as it gets here, Luis Chavez reminiscent of the World Cup. Oh, shades of the World Cup. There he is. Who is asking for Luis Suarez to come out of the lineup? Where are you? Luis Suarez, boy. Can they naturalize him? Luis Chavez as well. We'll take his left-footed beauties. I say Suarez, apologies. As Mexico goes up. Dos a cero. Gosh, it feels good to say that the other way on the half-hour mark. Mexico looking for a third in second-half stoppage time. Piojo Alvarado finishing off the play from Jesus Gallardo. Yeah, Gallardo cleaning up the mess that Diego Linus was making. And golazo. And sure, we'll take another few looks at the uh, Luis Chavez set piece. The play of the game as uh, Mexico wins, dare I say comfortably, by a final score of 3-0 over Jamaica. The goal is so good, we're going to keep showing them to you. Uh, Henry Martin there 
with the opener. Mexico headed to their 11th Gold Cup final after beating Jamaica in the semifinal by a final score of three to nothing. Let's head back out to Vegas, where Hercules is joined by Don Vegas, Mauricio Pedrosa. Mau, how you doing out there? Oh, We're no, no. feeling this good is or what? Don Vegas. I'm feeling so good. So, by the way, Don Vegas says hi. Yeah, he, he says couldn't hi. Make he could not make it. Sent me on uh -huh. his behalf uh, to talk about what it was. A very nice performance. Your voice sounds hoarse. Were you, were you, I was were you yelling? yelling? Yeah, I was sitting ne next to our colleague, Paco Gabriel, and he's, he turns into Mexico's biggest cheerleader. So I, had, I just had to join him. Shocker. No, cheer, no cheering in the press box. You know what they say, no cheering in the press box. Now, uh, Mal, on a, on a recent edition of Football Americas, we asked if Mexico's win, I guess it was over Costa Rica, had been convincing. I thought convincing was a bit of a stretch there. Dare we break out the, the C word here? Was this convincing tonight? Finally. No, I'm, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to do that. It was, a, it was a better performance against Jamaica than it was against Costa Rica. But to go all the way and say it was convincing, I, I mean, I, it, it's not convincing because I believe this team can actually still play better than they did tonight. So whenever that happens, then I'm gonna go ahead and say they were convincing. They were good, they were solid, they were effective. Uh, less mistakes in, field, in midfield, maybe because... Don't say it, don't Maybe say because Planepatnas Beckenbauer <laughs> was not there. But I like, I, I like what I saw. And that's, I see improvement. Mexico was in a very, very dark place. Less than a month ago, we were here, sitting in this same amazing set from ESPN, uh, talking about one of the worst nights in Mexican soccer history, less than a month ago. Right. So of course there's improvement, but I think there's still, there's still way to go for me to say that the team had a convincing performance. Wow! Come on, this is the best they've looked in two years, and you're gonna say it wasn't mm. convincing? They just steamrolled a team you said was a candidate to win this tournament. You too. Yes. It was your I'm champ. Saying. That's what I'm saying, and you're gonna say it's not convincing? But the, a team, a Jamaica team has a was not line. that good. Why do you it think they were that good? Because Mexico was that good. Because Mexico was convincing. I mean, look, say what you will about not wanting to buy into it yet. I, I get where you're, I get this whole, like, uh, I don't wanna jinx it kind of feel no, that I, you got. No, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. Not you it. got that's that. Not it. That's Mexico was convincing, Seb. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Their mm -hmm. midfield ran through Jamaica's midfield. Their midfield made the Premier League stars that Jamaica has inoperative, okay? Their Sanchez, Chavez, and Romo yeah, they were, very good. were on a different level tonight. They were very good, yes. Jorge Sanchez, very good, staying with players like Leon Bailey, Demario Gray. Oh, Gallardo, very good to assist. I mean, Memo Ochoa had never had anything to do, and you're going to sit here and honestly tell the people that Mexico wasn't convincing. Because Jimmy Lozano has sold hope. And not yes. only has he been selling That's and peddling true. hope, but he's been proving it with the first team. The only loss they have in this tournament was with an alternate squad. Okay, but when he's played first team football, they've looked good. Yes, they've looked vulnerable at times, but they've won, they've convinced, and they put joy back into the faces and hearts of Mexican fans. Something I've not seen on a Mexican squad in over two years. That's a reality. Tonight, we're here in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. You said so. It was a house of horrors not too long ago. A 3-0 loss to the United States men's national team. The fans, they punished the team today. Less than half, would you say, were at the stadium? Oh, it was way less than that. Okay, okay. Not even 30,000. Performances like this will bring the fans back. Hmm. I'm trying to think, Mal. I'm trying to really rack my memory banks to try and think when I last felt this good 
about how Mexico played. I think it is before the pandemic. I think it's 2019. I don't think it's two years ago. There's maybe a 45-minute stretch in qualifying or some, some Nations League games that you can piece together. But this performance, man, the first half hour, running Jamaica off the field, and a Jamaica that I had to hear for weeks and months was the threat of this yeah, tournament from well, Hercules Gomez. Herc, you got, you got to explain to me, and, and this must be the truth, right? The Mexican <laughs> player, the Mexican player must be the most disrespected, undervalued, Commodity in world no, football. No, it's not true. Because, Seb, because we on. got Premier in League football. No, I'm come sorry. Based on what? Uh, come on. Henry Martin, Liga MX. Uriel Antuna, Liga MX. Orbelin Pineda, Greek League, way better he, than three Premier League, League players for Jamaica. Premier? I guess. Uh, you, you tell me. What? You, tell me. you tell me. You tell me. Listen, you tell me I'll, why Leon tell you. Bailey, Mikel Antonio. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. We're not going to debate the quality. We're not. Seth, Seth, we're not going to debate here the individual quality of three or four players from Jamaica. Thank you. We don't have to debate that. That is yeah. clear. There's a reason why they've made a career of playing in the toughest league in the world, which is the Premier League. There's a reason why. We spoke about this on the show. There's less and less Mexican players that are making the jump to quality teams. Not only teams in Europe, but quality teams. So that's why I, I, I keep saying it was a good performance. It was a very, very solid performance. Is it a performance to go nuts about it, to go crazy about it, and to think that all the problems that we explain oh, no, no, and no, no, detail no, no. here on this very same show are solved? Not yet. No. I want to wait. I want to wait and see because tonight Jamaica was, Jamaica was extremely disappointing. So I cannot measure the Mexican national team mm. against another club, no, another squad that completely underperformed. And well, you got to take there's that. There's a reason in, they underperformed. I will give Mexico credit. Yes, yes. yes. Yes, but they uh, did on the performance. Now, now going back to Seb's very ignorant comment about uh, the <laughs> you don't have to do team. it. Oh, it's just it's terrible. It's terrible. Now there, are, you explain very good individual players. Individual players don't win you a game. A team, a collective, wins you a game. And how many times on all the individual shows or different shows we've <laughs> Panama. <laughs> yeah, Panama, Panama is a clear example of but that. Very good example. How but many times? Tell me about the, how, how great the Mexican collective Mexico is all of a sudden now. Right, right. <laughs> Well, it was way better well, tonight. Well, did you not see it? It was way better tonight. What are you watching? You, you, you are see them, ready you to see them against the United Lamborghini States. You see them against Qatar. Come on. Drive the, it the 100 Mexican miles per yeah, hour. Hold on, hold Suddenly hold the on, Mexican Seb. collective is Seb. amazing. Please. Seb, Seb, think about this for a second. It's the same group of players, and Tata Martino couldn't get to them. Diego Coca couldn't get to him. All of a sudden, with Jimmy Lozano, you see a different type of team. Say what you will about the opposition, but this same opposition was giving them fits in the last decade. Mm -hmm. yep. The same opposition. Give this Mexican national team some credit. We're not saying they're going to go on and win the Gold Cup. Not just yet. We're not saying even if they win the Gold Cup, all the problems are solved. Not just yet. But you have to acknowledge this team and the reaction. Great. All right, uh, let's talk about Jimmy Lozano's decisions with the starting Why 11. Not? I guess the big question was Edson Alvarez. No, you didn't have him. Obviously got hurt at the end of the quarterfinal. He seems to have solved that problem quite well. Although maybe we should call the Edson Alvarez problem a problem in air quotes because they did, as you guys mentioned, look quite a bit smoother with him not in the midfield and certainly not in that back line. Yeah, I mean, I was very curious to see what Jimmy Lozano was going to do. It was clear that Eric Sanchez was going to take his place. But what I saw from the stadium, 
Whenever Edson Alvarez plays, he's 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 the number eight, right? He's the holding midfielder. No, the six. Number six, sorry. Yes, yes. Yeah, you guys keep confusing me with those numbers. <laughs> he's the holding midfielder, and then he has two other players to his sides that go box to box. Right, right. I think the fact that Edson was not there, Luis Romo was supposed to be that number six, but if you think about it, Luis Chavez played alongside him, leaving Eric Sanchez yeah. as a number 10, which I think was genius because it actually gave the team more control on ball. And I think that showed. Now, the question is, if Edson Alvarez is fit enough, is good enough to go on Sunday, what do you do? Because this was clearly the best performance so far. And at least for my money, a lot of that has to do with, the, with, with having Luis Chavez and Luis Romo paired up at that position and freeing the space for Eric Sanchez. I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. Not, not the positional change, not these players playing instead of Edson Alvarez, but the fact that there's going to be controversy surrounding Edson Alvarez. I do not like this for the Mexican national team. Edson Alvarez has a plenty of haters. We've got one in production. We got one here right next to me I on my right. Ain't no hater. They would rather not have him on the field. He's the only class A Mexican player they have in Europe. The only so player that they look better without him. Why do they look better without him? Well, that's the thing. That's, the, that's what I'm trying to get to. This team, and it's very simple to see, this team, the way Jimmy Lozano wants him to play, as dynamic as he wants that midfield, he doesn't have the quality on the ball yeah. in the midfield. That's a reality here. Jimmy Lozano wants more quality on the ball from his players. But Edson Alvarez gives you so much uh, in terms of leadership, in terms intangibles. of intangibles, yeah, intangibles when it comes to protecting the back line, when it comes to being that person that could that could start and spring different attacks, but he's not going to be the guy in the final third threading balls like a Romo will, threading balls like a Luis uh, Chavez or an Eric Sanchez will. Here's where I see a huge problem yeah. for Edson. You're, you're talking about a different when Edson, he, huh? Yeah. Listen, when when he actually uh, came on as a sub, right? Right. Why did you, he come on though? You could. That's another. Yeah. That, that's a conversation that needs to be that needs to be held. But maybe another time. But I think it doesn't. It doesn't do him any favors that when he was on, he made the same mistakes gave, that we were criticizing yeah. the previous games, giving the ball away, getting late to tackles. He was booked after just five minutes of being on the field. So that's actually another proof for Jimmy Lozano to see. When we played, what, 75 minutes without him, we were really good. Whenever he was in, we were not that good. So, and let's just remember one final thing. The Olympics, the Tokyo Olympics, Edson Alvarez was not a part of that Romo. team. Who was playing that position? Luis Romo. So, I mean, honestly, for my money, I think even if he's fit, even if he's good to go, I don't think Edson plays the final. I don't think he starts. You got to be 100% fit to start this game. And, and that's why I was questioning him coming on because he's fit enough to start and you start him or he's not fit enough to play and you don't risk him out there. In a game that 20 minutes ago, a goal happens, gives Jamaica some hope and things can change. I, I didn't understand it. Guys, let's get to the game-changing moment in tonight's game between Mexico and Jamaica. I don't think there's much doubt here. It's got to be the early goal, right? Gol de vestidor. Henry Martin right off the top. Jesus Gallardo kind of sets him up. I think his first touch is a, is a little bit long, but he gets to it first, finishes yeah. to make it 1-0. Uh, for me, an early goal is kind of proof that you are convincing. But maybe what you're saying, Mal, when you said they're not convincing is that this goal kind of conditioned the rest of the game. Because it felt for me like after this, Mexico was in cruise control, a level of Do you think it was this goal or the free kick that conditioned the rest of the game? This. No, I, I think it was this goal, and here's why. 
Let's go back to Jimmy Lozano's presser yesterday. Mm -hmm. The one thing that he emphasized is we have to be fast, early, strike before they do. Yeah. Yeah. That's the same thing that happened against the first game against Honduras, right? A lot of pressure in that team. What happens? They score in the, far, in the first three early. minutes, yeah. and then all the pressure, there's some sort of relief that, okay, we scored, now we can play our game. Yeah, now you're forcing you. your rival to attack you, right? So that's, that's why, I mean, when, whenever you score after 80 seconds, it gives you a different feeling to the game. But for, for Seth's credit, I believe that proves also how focused this team was, how committed they were, the way they understood the magnitude of tonight's game. And when you play fast, you start fast, and you score fast like they did, then you're in control. So that's why it was crucial for them to <laughs> listen to Jimmy and score first. Yeah, let me, let me get into Jamaica really quick and, and how disappointed I was in, in this opening goal. Uh, this was the same old Jamaica that we've seen yeah. for the last two decades. I mean, the opening play had two Jamaican players crash into each other. That springs a Mexican counter on the opposite side, and everybody drops right into the box where Andre Blake can't see anything and where that midfield is supposed to be protecting him, when that midfield is supposed to be at least shielding. There's nobody there. It's not a good touch no, from no, Henry no, Martin. It goes away from him, has enough time to latch onto it, reach it, and score a goal. And then when you think, okay, it's early enough where they can react, it's the free kick from, excuse me, free kick from Luis Chavez that really does it for me. When they had any hope, any chance of thinking we can still be in this, that goes in and it's a dagger. Henry Martin, by the way, uh, with that goal, probably helps his case for the starting spot, doesn't he? I've been, I've been long yelling for Santi Jimenez to get some time. But Henry Martin getting a goal right there is probably going to help him, isn't it, Mal? My guy's going to get buried on the bench, uh, well, isn't he? No, I mean, yeah, he definitely is going to start the final. There's no reason why he's going to change that. If he's fit, yeah. He's yeah. fit, yeah, and I think he'll, he, he will be fit. That, that substitution, it, it, it usually happens at the 60th minute mark, as it did tonight. Uh, but listen, yes, you want your number nine to score. I saw a lot of things that Henry was doing to support either Antuna or Orbelin Pineda. Whenever Eric Sanchez was approaching that front line, they were actually creating great spaces, good play, uh, very fluid. And that's something that maybe in Jimmy Lozano's head, Santiago Jimenez is not quite there yet. It's not quite there. And, and you know this, it's not easy to be a sub and just try to prove yourself in 30 minutes, 25 minutes. And I've seen, I've seen Santiago Jimenez with a lot of pressure on his shoulders. But this goal absolutely helps Henry Martin's case to be the starter. That's what it is. I mean, there's no two ways about it. You can't sit here and think that Jimmy Lozano isn't going to turn around and start Henry Martin again. That's exactly what he's going to do. Uh, Santi Jimenez, you're not even going to remember what he did when he came on because you're thinking Henry scored. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Santi Jimenez not on the score sheet. Henry Martin uh, buries one. Let's get our man of the match in here. I think production has chosen Luis Chavez. Guys, do we have any uh, problems with that after his exceptional golazo against Andre Blake? Zero problems. And it's not only the goal. You said it. It was very important at that time because that, that actually gave Mexico more time to feel in control of the rest of the game. But I think the way he played... Uh, starting from the build-up alongside Luis Romo and then creating a lot of chances <laughs> approaching that front line with uh, Eric Sanchez. Listen, I think, well, he joins a Elite very company. distinguished <laughs> class right there alongside Kelina Costa. What and, a graphic. Who and that one up? But listen, uh, I think it's not coincidence that 
whenever Luis Chavez increases his level, whenever he plays better, the rest of the team plays better. And that's an important player, and so, so was he tonight for me. He's been a very good player since uh, even before the World Cup, and a lot of people were asking for him maybe to step aside and for somebody else to come on, which is crazy to me, but I don't think he was the MVP for Mexico today. If I'm thinking about the man of the match, I'm going with Eric Sanchez. Eric Sanchez changes, changes the way this team plays. He adds an extra dynamic element to this midfield that they didn't have before. If he's not there, it's not the same pace. And if it's not the same pace, they're sitting and reacting to the opponent. He sets the tone. Fair enough. Mal and Luis Chavez, is he now closer to Europe or is he going to end up at Rayados? Because performances like this, as many oh, of his I performances, no, suggest no, no. that he's he, ready for listen, a move. Listen, if he's not... If he, I mean, I think he's rare. I mean, he's actually late. <laughs> he's actually late to go to Europe. That that move should have happened right after the World Cup or even before that. But twice, Pachuca has said no to offers from clubs in Europe. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how this is gonna go down. The one thing that I really, really hope for is that he doesn't go to Rayados or Tigres or America. Just, just, just make the You'd be jump. Okay with him going to Chivas? I would be okay. <laughs> Yeah, I will be okay with that. I will be totally okay with that. I think they'll bring a different level of competition to Chivas. I'll, yeah, I like that. I'll, I'll take wow. that. I'll take that. Yeah, I'll be totally okay with that. Mauricio Pedrosa, your anti-Americanista ways all of a sudden. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about this final. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. On Sunday at SoFi Stadium there in your hometown of Los Angeles, the United States, losing to Panama, Mexico beating Jamaica, so it'll be El Tri against Los Canaleros. There in the finals, we take a look at their head-to-head history. I guess the favorite's pretty obvious here. It's Mexico. Or is it, Herc? You keep saying Panama's such a well-drilled team. You think Panama's got a shot? Hey, hey, they got a shot. I, 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 don't, I don't know if, they're, uh, if it's a good shot, but Mexico's favorite. That's a reality. They're also coming off a game where physically they weren't tested. They start, you know, Jimmy had the luxury of subbing players off, knowing that he would play the final, where Panama went 120 minutes in a oh, very yeah. physical game, in a very, very... Um, hot day in San Diego on a dry field, a very hard field. I think physically they're going to come into this game a little beat up, and that could play a huge factor. Also, Thomas Christensen, Seb, Mal, he didn't make a lot of subs. I mean, I think his first sub uh, came around the 78th minute. He doesn't really change his players too much in this tournament. He hasn't rotated them. This is a Panamanian squad that does play well, but at some point you have to think that the Mexican team is better on paper and physically will be fresher. 
Mexico plays like they did tonight, convincingly. If Mexico play <laughs> like they did tonight, good, solid, all-around performance, they are the clear favorites to win on Sunday. Now, now, one of the reasons why I keep saying I was not 100% convinced was because I was very, very disappointed in Jamaica. Yeah. I believe Panama can mm. be a tougher opponent for Mexico if they play up to their level. Yeah, yeah. But still, even if Panama plays 100% to their level, a performance like that should be enough for Mexico to win that game. Listen, I, I was saying all week that uh, styles make fights, right? And this was a good fight for Jamaica. It was not. I mean, Mexico, it wasn't even a fight, to it be honest. It wasn't a fight. Mexico was very good and very dynamic. If Panama allows this Mexican midfield to be that dynamic and Carrasquilla can't get on the ball, Anibel Godoy can't get on the ball. If they can't dictate the pace, if they're the ones chasing the game and don't dictate the pace, I think Panama's in trouble. But the same goes for Mexico. If you allow Carrasquilla, who's been one of, if not the best players in this tournament, to dictate the pace with Godoy there, allow them to manage the rhythm of this game, they can absolutely complicate things for Mexico. But on paper right now, Mexico's a clear flavor. Yeah, it'll be different for Mexico. I mean, Panama, I feel like, is a much more responsible team than Jamaica was tactically today. At one point, it looked like they were playing with, I don't know, four up top, five up top. We know Panama won't go, won't it go did that look crazy. That way. Certainly not in a final. Uh, they were certainly disjointed. So for all the talent in the world there, you could see why they maybe fell apart. Mal, give us the perspective. What, what's at stake for Mexico on Sunday? This, this tournament has kind of a a lackluster feel to it. It's a trophy that if you hold it above your head, you're saying, hey, we beat a bunch of B teams. Yet we know what a disastrous six months it's been yeah. for Mexican football. And if you want to go beyond that, a disastrous 18 months, two years, what would it mean to bring home a title, even if it is the Gold Cup? I'll put it this way. Remember your worst, your worst hangover? Uh... Remember how you felt after that first, that first sip of a of an energy drink the next morning the morning after drink remember remember how you felt that's that's how the mexican national team players are gonna feel if they leave that mm -hmm. trophy they went through the worst hangover but now they're feeling a little better now they're having that first sip of a i don't know i don't want to say any brands but that's that's how <laughs> that's how important it is let's get rid of that horrible hangover feel a little better feel confident again. But to me, Seb, Herc, there's one big storyline here. Mexico, they're not going to play any qualifiers for 2026. Mm -hmm. But this, this, if Jimmy Lozano wins that match, this is his World Cup qualifier. That is mm. the importance of that game. If Jimmy Lozano, as a manager, as an individual, is able to deliver that, then he would qualify to be the manager of Mexico all the way through the World Cup in 2026. Uh, listen, I, I agree with you. In the eyes of many pundits, he would be that player, or he would be that man, he would be that person. And if he's not that person, the pressure that the next coach will have, because Jimmy Lozano gave him that sensation, gave the fans and pundits that sensation. The players. Could, and the players, the players, absolutely. Could be counterproductive, if not catastrophic. Uh, I agree. It is his World Cup qualifier. But beyond Jimmy Lozano, if they don't lift this trophy, it's all for naught. It doesn't matter what you did against Jamaica. People are going to remember Qatar, and they're going to remember that final. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
So Mexico definitely playing for a trophy. Jimmy Lozano may be on Sunday managing for the full-time job as the uh, L3 manager. All right, Mal, we got to say goodbye to you. Thanks for uh, joining us here on Football Americas. As always, great, great to have you with us on the show. Thanks, Seth. Hopefully no hangovers tomorrow. Let's go cure that hangover. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You guys are the ones in Vegas, not me. And here's a look at the uh, Panama-Mexican comparison. That's who we're going to see in the Gold Cup final against SoFi Stadium on Sunday for the top spot in CONCACAF's Continental Tournament. Lindsay Horan scores. Always had the momentum, was always going to win that ball and planted it in the back of the net. Now here's Lindsay Horan. Well, that's the way. No patience required, four days on. So this is your second World Cup. I think most people, you know, saw you and knew it was a lock that you would make this roster. Still, when the call comes, what's that feeling like? Uh, well, I think most people saw. I was bawling uh, my eyes out, uh, per usual. I think it's just that feeling never gets old. You know, Alex actually just said that. It, it doesn't get old. Um, no matter how many World Cup rosters you make, how many rosters you make, call up, whatever, um, it doesn't get old. And I think you need to be grateful for every single call-up that you get, every roster that you make. It's it's an honor to represent this team and, you know, be named, you know, one of the best players in, in the United States. So very, very emotional for me. You're 29 years old. You just signed this brand-new deal with Lyon. The statistics would suggest you're kind of at the prime of your career. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that way? I think so. I think uh, I always feel like there's more to come. Um, I think especially going into this World Cup, I think this is going to be a huge tournament for me. Um, but I feel like I'm coming to my own at, at Lyon and I'm a different player than I was when I was in France the first time, um, you know, scoring more goals and having more impact on on the field. So and a more leadership role, you know, both with them and, and the national team. So, yeah, I think uh, uh, I I could say I'm hitting my prime. I hope it stays that way for like five, ten years. <laughs> you say more. I mean, what more? You got a, a Champions League title. You're playing one of the best teams in the world. You've proven it at the international level. Like, what more do you see as terms of room for a growth in your game? I, you know, it's it's tough because as, as athletes, you just you want more trophies. You want more. Uh, you want more championships. You you just want to be a better player every single day. I think that's what makes us, you know, professional athletes. You know, the competitive edge that you always have. And I think for me, it's like you look back on your past years and the World Cups and uh, the trophies and whatnot. But you know, it's now zooming into to what's next. And I think I will always be the, like that in my career. Um, so the last World Cup was you know one of the coolest moments of of my career but now i'm zoomed into this world cup and how i can impact how i can be the best player i can be for my for my team i wonder about the decision to stay in leon i think you did a deal through 2026 i'm sure a player like you had a lot of interest in the national women's soccer league no shortage of opportunities mm -hmm. why then the choice to stay in europe yeah it was uh it was a hard one um you know obviously portland gave me so much uh 
you know, six years of playing there, it was it was my home and the fans, the the club, and and everything. Uh, regardless of what's happened in the past few years, um, they were my my home. Um, and I think for me, looking at my career and where I wanted to be, you know, playing in Champions League, playing in Europe, it's not like anything else. Um, and I don't think you get that feeling unless you actually play. Uh, you know, in, in those kind of tournaments. I feel like a Champions League playing in that is not fully similar, but it's like playing for a major trophy with your national team. It's uh, it's the, you know, biggest accolade you could get, you know, in the, in the club level. So for me, playing in that against the best players in the world, you know, best European teams in the world, that's that's where I wanted to be. And I think for me, also, also health-wise, uh, physically, I wanted to be in a place where I could be training on, on grass every mm. single day as well. And I think that's a major component that um, is not seen as much in, in the NWSL and, and where certain teams are, are training, and especially in Portland. Um, I would hate myself if I didn't say that because they deserve better as well. Let's focus in on the World Cup team. 14 players that weren't on the last World Cup team. How is this group different from 2019? Exactly what you just said. We, we have new players, we have young players. Um, and we have, you know, the veterans. We have the players that have been here before. I think it's, it's a very cool, um, you know, experience for for this national team where maybe we haven't gotten this before. Um, I think these new young players, they're absolutely ready for this moment, or they wouldn't be here. Um, I think the standard has been held high. Um, you know what the veterans have showed these new young players over the course of these past few years. You know after the Olympics and what it takes to win a World Cup and and to go into this tournament as best as possible. I think these these players know that, and I think we've done a very good job at you know now we're coming together and we're going to be you know the most prepared that we've ever been, and you know we know it's the most competitive World Cup that will. Uh, will play in. Um, so I think you guys are going to see, you know, so, so much different from, you know, these past World Cups. You have some of the most threatening players, you know, in the world right now. You see players like Soph Smith scoring hat-tricks, you know, over the weekend and, you know, Alyssa Thompson, you know, young threats that are coming into this game and, and coming into this team that are going to have huge roles uh, and going into the World Cup. Tell me a little bit about this midfield because I see it on paper and there's a lot of really good players mm -hmm. and yet maybe since the Olympics maybe even at the Olympics it feels like it hasn't hit full throttle yet how close are you guys well it's a opinions that uh, maybe a lot do you of feel I'm wrong do you feel I'm wrong do you do you feel like I, the midfield is where you guys would want it to be ahead of a World Cup I don't think you're necessarily wrong because I want us to be at the absolute best going into the World Cup. I think there's been a lot of moving pieces since the Olympics. I think, you know, you have Andy coming in that's been playing a R6 role for us. I think me and Rose were, you know, big players as like our two tens and then we've changed a little bit since then and, and how we operate and how we how we work. But we've had a lot of movement around us as well with uh, interchanging players and and the rosters and, and whatnot. So I think we've now been able to come into our own. We can play a little bit outside of the box without what Black has allowed us to do. I think the recent games that we've had, I've felt the most comfortable I've, I've felt and been able to do what I do best. And I think Rose has felt the same way. And then, you know, you have some of these players that are now on the roster, Christy, you know, Sanchez, DeMello, um, and you have Julie back here that, mm. you know, brings something different. And so obviously you have to see, you know, what's to come and, and our lineups and, and whatnot, but everything 
everyone brings something else. I think it all comes together when you, you're going out and playing in a World Cup. And that's why I said, I hope the, the best is to come. A lot of people were pointing to Julie Ertz as kind of the missing piece. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that way? You know, it's, it's funny. I think Julie just brings something different. No matter where she's playing on the field, she brings something different. And you like having that player on the field. Like for me, I, when I look at her on the field, she wants to go win. She's a winner. She's proud to, to wear the jersey every single game. And, you know, she wants to get the best out of me as well. Um, so that's how I see Jules. But that doesn't take any way, anything away from what Andy's done for us in, in the past few years and, and come into her role on the team. And, and like I said before, the best is yet to come for her as well. When you think of the motivations around this tournament, do you view this more as, hey, we got to defend our title from 2019, or we have to restake our claim as the best from the last Olympics? Because I'd imagine for this group that was a pretty disappointing tournament. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, like, like you said, it's, it's disappointing, but I think we kind of put both tournaments in the past. I think this is new team, new challenges, new players. Um, this is a new World Cup. So I think not that we're forgetting anything that, that has happened. Uh, uh, you're grateful for these experiences that put you here. Um, but this is a new challenge. This is a new World Cup. Um, and the only thing that we're focused on right now is that first game in the World Cup against Vietnam. You said it was going to be the most competitive you know, World Cup ever. The narrative is that the, the rest of the world is kind of catching up to the U.S. women's national team. Mm -hmm. How do you square that against what I'm sure are the expectations that have always been here for this team, which is to, to win it all? Yeah, I think the narratives, uh, it's very funny to me because, you know, we talk about the rest of the world catching up. I think it's kind of cool. It's like we've set that standard for such a long time. Our, you know, the players before us, the 99ers, you know, the ones that have won all of these uh these these championships and World Cups and Olympics and we've set the standard of being one of the best teams for such a long period of time and now everyone talks about everyone catching up to us like that's what was supposed to happen you we want the rest of the world to be at this place so it's it's like you know the men's World Cup where anyone can win and all the best players all the best teams you know have all the best resources and everyone is fighting you know, for the same thing. And it's not like, oh, the US, USA is just going to win again. Obviously, we're still, you know, one of the top teams going into the World Cup, and you can say we're number one and, and whatever, but it's not, <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily the rest of the world is catching up. It's just, you know, where they're meant to be at some point. You know, we needed this. We need, we need this fight from all these other countries. And now I think this is incredible for us because we are getting the best out of every single country. And if we, you know, at the end of the day are on the top of the podium and, and we're winning another World Cup, we know that we played against, you know, the best teams, the best players, you know, what was best from them. Lindsey Horan, of course, a key part of the U.S. midfield World Cup coming up. They'll open up on the 21st of July, the U.S. women against Vietnam. ESPYs tonight in L.A. The Arthur Ashe Courage Award going to the U.S. Women's National Team for their fight for equal pay. Of course, the current team is in New Zealand for the World Cup, which meant a cross-generational group of national teamers. We're on hand at the ESPYs to accept the very prestigious Arthur Ashe Courage Award. Let's hear a snippet of the acceptance speech. I just want to say it's such an honor for me to be up here with all of my amazing teammates, to see all of them here tonight, and um, 
what we've been able to do is truly amazing. There have been 252 women who have worn the shield of the U.S. Women's National Team since its inception. And we are accepting this award on behalf of every single one of them. And a great night for soccer at the 2023 ESPY. Certainly for Inter-Miami's newest player, Lionel Messi. He gets both best soccer player, they went out on a limb there, and best championship performance. Congratulations as well, as we mentioned, to the U.S. Women's National Team. They get the uh, historic award there, the Arthur Ashe Award for Courage. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time to check the mentions before we get out of here on this edition of Football Americas. Lots going on across the soccer world. Alan asks, we got to talk about USL and hashtag ProRel for USA today. What will it take for USL to succeed with promotion and relegation? Herc, the Athletic reporting USL is set to vote on adopting promotion relegation potentially as soon as 2025. What do you think it'll take for that to succeed? Oh, is that the question? And the reason I ask that is because I'm curious about the timing. And in the article, that anonymous owner who warned about what would happen if this didn't come to pass, if, if Major League Soccer kind of overtook them, it would be the death of, of USL pretty much. So uh, I'm hoping this happens, but that it's an open system because even though it's promotion relegation, it's promotion relegation within USL. And that's what we got to mm -hmm. remember here. It's still a closed system there. It would give everything an injection of life, it hopefully drive more interest, which would mean more sponsors. Uh, hopefully that continues to increase um, fans and the exposure it can get to continue to sell players abroad. But I really don't know what it's going to take for this to be successful. And, and I mean it in the best possible way, since it will technically still be a closed system. Yeah. It is not an open system. I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. However, it's a step towards a more competitive system, right? At least I think that's important to say that the USL is going out on a limb. They're doing something different. I think it's a reflection of kind of where they are in the pecking order right now. They see what Major League Soccer is doing, not just with Lionel Messi, but the last two decades of growth and new stadiums. The USL has to keep cast to catch up. Now, here's the thing, Herc. The way you're going to know if this is successful or not is TV ratings, right? Because MLS has brought big stars that didn't necessarily lead to TV ratings. Now, it led to success in other ways, sponsorships, investment. But bottom line, American soccer needs to have success on television in America. And I think promotion relegation could make USL more interesting and could make it a better TV That's product. True. How much more interesting, how many more eyeballs? We'll see. We'll see. That'll come down to the execution. But I think it's an important potential first step. Let's see how the vote goes. What else do we have here on Check Dimensions? on Football Americas. I'm sure we'll be talking more about uh, USL if they, if they do take the plunge and go full pro-rel. Jogo Taka, good friend of the show, always chiming in. A man, a plan, a penal. How much credit does Panama coach 
Thomas Christensen deserve for Panama's performance this tournament and how lucky were they to go through on penalties? Herc, what do you think about Panama? Luck or skill? No, it's not. It's not luck. I, I think I don't think you can call, call it luck when you control the majority of this game. I thought they were very unfortunate um, not to win the game in, in regulation time. Uh, listen, Jesus Ferreira scores a, a worldly is a very good goal, but they were in control of that game. Panama, they go to penalty kicks, and then even when you have a player like Matt Miazga trying to get into their head, doing what he will. That looks mm. what it is. It was a shit moment. You shouldn't have done that. It, it spoke more about you than it did the Panamanian uh, mental fortitude in that moment. They surpassed that. They did their thing in penalty kicks. So it's not luck in penalty kicks. Thomas Christensen, he's the real deal. This is a coach that's managed to change a program that even when they got to the World Cup, it was on its last leg. If you look at the players they took to that 2018 World Cup, their first World Cup, Felipe Valoy, Blas Perez, Roman Torres. I mean, it was a type of player that was already on the last leg of their career, already in the last year, if you will, of their career. And then you thought the rebuild would have taken a lot longer. I was surprised with the way they played um, during stints of their World Cup qualifying that didn't have a better World Cup qualifying performance. But in this Gold Cup, He's been phenomenal. In this World Cup, he's pressed all the right buttons. He said all the right things. He has his players playing a very attractive brand. And I've said it many times. It's the most well-worked team. It doesn't mean they're going to beat everybody, but if you think about what team can get the idea of the coach, the tactical idea, the tactical mm -hmm. game plan, and deploy it the best way, it's Panama. Yeah. I mean, he's got a lot of advantages. He's been there longer than pretty much everybody else in CONCACAF. He's got his A team, which others don't. And he's got a really experienced A team. I think we saw that uh, here in the Gold Cup, certainly in the semifinals against the United States. Herc, since you mentioned Matt Miazga, I think that's our next one here on Check Dimensions. In the penalty shootout, of course, Miazga was kind of messing with the last Panamanian penalty shooter. Not the last, it was the fifth in the shootout. And apparently, like, B.J. Callahan said something to him. Like, even the U.S. coaching staff didn't like it. Her, Good. You apparently didn't like it. it, it I guess it... Where's no, the line between gamesmanship and sportsmanship? Exactly. And say what you will about well, that line you. there. Well, I think it's a very hard line. Now, everybody has their own code of, of ethics, morals, when it comes to playing, when it comes to winning, what they think... Uh, constitutes winning at all costs, mm -hmm. uh, what type of player you are, what the type of team you are. Obviously, the coaching staff wasn't very fond of it. Now, Matt Miazga is a player who has done some very good things. He's a center back who I think is a good center back. He's not the best center back in the pool, but I think he's a decent center back. What you're doing here is you're saying, I'm not good enough to beat you with just playing, so let me try to get in your head. In a way, that's not good to you. It doesn't represent the program. Mm. Uh, it's not what I don't think anybody wants to see. I don't think there was anybody, any fan or any neutral that saw that and laughed about it. Like, oh, really? this is cool. This is great. How, it just made you look bad. How different is it from what Kellen Acosta did? I mean, you you called that poop Hauser. You loved it. You, every time we talk about Kellen Acosta, well, that was you very bring different. that up as a plus that, for that his was, resume. That was very right, explain different. Explain to me why. That was very different. Yeah, yeah. Because what you're doing is you're protecting in that moment, if you recall, you're protecting your players. In that moment, it's believe me, if, uh, believe it's the penalty kick that the player from Qatar skies, right? He's not as you walk across, getting in his way and physically assaulting him. I never recalled Kellen Acosta even touching him. Did you? No, I'm thinking about the I'm thinking about the Mexico Nations League penalty that Andres Guardado misses. 
Did he touch him? I, I don't remember. I don't remember the exact... I remember him getting in the way. Yeah, I don't so think there was, we'll to, I don't we'll think there was a physical tape. altercation there. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think... It, that's, Last, that's where I think I crossed the line. When you start getting physical with somebody like that, it's just no need. All right, last one before we get out of here on Football Americas. Check the mentions where we get your tweets from Carlos. Balogun, Pepe, Sergeant, Peefock, Vasquez are all above Jordan Morris, correct? Or how would you rank them? Okay, that's interesting. I guess we're counting Jordan Morris as a nine? That's a, yeah, that's a weird ranking. Do you want me to give yeah. you my top five ranking? Of your yeah, forward, let's go, so let's go strikers. Sure. Yeah, Jesus Fedeta is probably in there somewhere, right? Okay, so you got uh, Fowler and Balogun, Ricardo Pepe, Josh Sargent. Uh, I would still give number four to Haji Wright. It means something that you've been in the program, scored a goal in the World Cup, and continue to score goals okay. in Turkey, and you probably get a big boof. And, and I would put Jesus Fedeta in at fifth right there, and then you would have a Jordan Pifak at sixth. He, uh, even though he's in the Bundesliga, he's not scored in a, a long while. And then uh, you can go a player like Vasquez. I think I had him at seventh. There's another player who I had at sixth. I don't recall. Okay. I think it was Pifak. Right. And, yeah. There you go. Look at all that striker depth for the U.S. men's national team. It reminds one of a day when a young Hercules Gomez was prowling the field for the Americans. Not quite. Right, no, not quite. Not quite. Different times. Different times. Parting shot, Herc. There's one more bit of business, and it is the biggest bit of business. Lionel Messi arriving in Miami on Tuesday. The family jet touching down there at the Fort Lauderdale Executive Airport. Messi, according to Franco Panizza, who's a, a, a very well-known... Miami soccer reporter, partially trained with the team today, apparently, met his teammates. First full training going to be next Tuesday. The presentation scheduled for Sunday night. Herc, he is here, and it is happening. You see the video right there. It's happening, man. Um, we are going to be in Miami. That's how much it is happening. All of ESPN will be there. Uh, people all around the world are already doing their uh, ticketing and getting everything going. This is happening, man. And I would be very surprised if there isn't a Lionel Messi appearance at the All-Star game in D.C. in your hood. I think it Ooh. just makes sense. And listen, Messi just seems to be saying the right things. He gave an interview uh, in Argentina where he spoke about the type of player he wants to be in Major League Soccer and not being anything different than what he's always been, a guy who tries to win at all costs. So uh, you should be excited. It doesn't matter if he's 36 years old. Uh, six months ago, this guy was winning a World Cup, and convincingly, he was one of the best players, if not the best player in that World Cup. So uh, this is happening. A watershed moment when David Beckham came to Major League Soccer, another watershed moment now with Lionel Messi. You said it. Everybody is heading to Miami, myself included. I'm leaving on Friday. I'll be on ESPN FC and SportsCenter, and then... Monday, live from Miami, I'll be doing my half of Football Americas. You will be in Los Angeles with Mauricio Pedrosa as we recap the Gold Cup final. And, of course, continue our build-up to the Women's World Cup. We'll have a couple one-on-one -on -one interviews, one with Alyssa Thompson, the other with Julie Ernst. That'll do it for this edition of Football Americas. He's Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebi Salazar. Thanks for watching. The Gold Cup final is set for Sunday in Los Angeles. It'll be the Mexican national team against Panama after Mexico in Las Vegas beats Jamaica by a score of 3-0 in the U.S. Falls in penalties to Panama.